we're going through the life of Abram. And so we're going to go straight in today from where we picked, uh, um, ended last week, Genesis 14. So here we are, after these things, after, after the bread and the wine with Melchizedek, after the, the declaring of Abram being an heir of God, possessor of heaven and earth, after he presented the tithe to God because he said, everything I have now belongs to God and everything God has now belongs to me, I now own the possessor, I am now with God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and God is now with me, the possessor of everything I have. And because of that, there's the tithe, there's the presentation of the tithe, that's the exchange taking place. He raised his hands, he said to the king of Sodom, uh, no one is going to make me rich but Almighty God. Why? Because God is my source of supply in every area of my life. Amen. Amen. So here we are, Genesis chapter 14 from verse 18, after these things, the word of the Lord, is that the right verse? Is it, or is it 15 verse 1? It's 15 1, isn't it? I'm very sorry about that. I put Genesis, oh, just whatever, Genesis 15 1 to 18. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. God speaks in a vision. He speaks. He speaks. God speaks. When God speaks, everything can change. Because His Word is creative. His Word is healing. It's, it'll bring you freedom. His Word will bring you joy. His Word will bring you peace. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. What an opener. (laughs) But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram saying, This one, Eleazar of Damascus, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven, count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants, plural, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then God said to Abram, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And Abram said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to God and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell um, upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon Abram. And then God said to Abram, No certainly, no without a doubt, no certainly that Your descendants will be strangers in their land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years and also a nation whom they serve I will judge and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Now as for you, Abram, you shall go to your fathers in shalom, in peace, in wholeness. 
you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the animal pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land. Wow. Wow. What an encounter Abram had with God. Wow. God spoke, stuff happened, animals were there, fire was there, blood was there. Uh, there, were, there were animals split in half, lying about, the vultures came. God promised horror and darkness, covenant. Wow, this is an amazing encounter Abram had with God. I know it's not the sort of thing that you tend to speak on on a Sunday morning. But we're going through Abram. Can I just say, you know every series has a heart. I sort of think today is it. Sort of think today is it. We've not even started to get onto Isaac and the promise and the son and the child and the and the and the you know through you all generations are going to be blessed and the mountain sacrifice. We've not got there. But if we can understand today, if we can lay hold of what God is doing in this passage today, everything else will start falling into place. Today I want to talk on. God, how can I know for sure? How can I know for sure? See, doubt and unbelief are the two things that the enemy will use in so many ways to undermine your stand of faith and your life of victory. Doubt and unbelief. But God has an answer to doubt and unbelief. God has an answer to questions that need to be answered. God has an answer. You see, Abram's life, his life shows us an incredible life of faith. And, it, and it's in a couple of avenues. One is about the land. The other one is about the child. Everything God did was about one or other or both of those two things. The land that he was going to inherit that we know as the promised land, nation of Israel. And the other side is the, is the seed, Isaac. Abram, Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel. Everything God did with Abram was either about the physical land or the people that God wanted to fill that land. As I've said, we're going to go into the sun side of it in the weeks to come. I began to mention last week that when a covenant takes place, see, most people think there's just the old covenant and the new covenant. So many covenants in the Bible. There's a covenant with Noah, covenant with Isaac, covenant with Jacob, covenant with, with um, Abram here, covenant with the people of Israel. The, the one with the people of Israel we know as the law, the old covenant. So many covenants in the Bible. And here is a covenant 
here in Genesis chapter 15, and it began really when God spoke to Abram and said, I'm going to bless you. That's covenant language. I will bless you. You'll bless me and I'll curse him who curses you. This is all covenant language. It's all to do with covenant, blood being shed. And then there's the bread and the wine. There was a covenant meal. Then there was the declaration of the covenant, possessor of heaven and earth. Then there was the exchanges of the covenant, heaven and earth and the tithe. This is all covenant stuff. It was not religious. It was covenant. It's what they did in their generation. Then there was the raising of the hand. That's a covenant expression. I've got a scar is what it meant. Abram didn't have a scar, but that's what he was doing. I've raised my hand. I'm a covenant partner with Almighty God. God now raises his hand. I'm friend of God. God is friend of Abram. I'm Abram of God. God is God of Abram. This is a covenant. Two things becoming one. Two things becoming one. Where you can't tell the two apart. Oh man, I just, oh. I do 12 hours on this stuff in our academy. I, I love this. My favorite thing to talk about, which is why we're overrunning every week. <laughs> Covenant exchanges are taking place. After the meal and the raised hand, God turns up, says, No fear. No fear here. Aren't you glad you're redeemed from fear? Aren't you glad fear has no place in your life? But the perfect Hasid Agape covenant love of God casts out all fear. Why? Because I'm now possessor of heaven and earth and God is my blood brother, my partner, my covenant partner. Hallelujah. I've got nothing. What can man do to me when Almighty God is my covenant man, my covenant God? Going ahead of myself, Jesus is our covenant man. All God, all man. Do not fear, here's my armour. Wow. Do you remember there's exchanges taking place? Robes, filthy robes and white, beautiful washed robes. Defenceless and undefeatable. There's an armour exchange, God says, I'm your shield. You'll quench every fiery dart that comes against you, Abram, because I'm your shield. Aren't you glad no fiery dart can get through to your life? See, some people say, oh, yes, they can. No, hold your shield up. They cannot get through that shield of faith. No fiery darts in Jesus' name. Do not fear. I'm your shield and I'm your exceedingly great reward. Do you know what he was saying there? What can I do for you, Abram? How can I fight for you? How can I provide for you? What can I do for you? And immediately, Abram goes to the greatest challenge that he had. I have no child. You've promised me descendants. You've promised me through the nations of the earth, I'll be blessed. And Yet I have this Eliezer of Damascus. We have no kids. My wife is barren. So God, what are you going to do about it? He wasn't being rude or arrogant. He was understanding what covenant is all about. You're my shield, my exceedingly great reward. So where's the child? See, nothing's impossible for God. Nothing's impossible in the context of our covenant. 
God, there's sickness in my body. What are you going to do about it? There's upset in my family. What are you going to do about it? There's issues in my, in my job. What are you going to do about it? See, that's not being arrogant or presumptuous or rude. It's being covenant. Are you here today? What are you going to do about it, God? And God says, he won't be your heir. You're going to have a child. And he said, come out, see the stars. And I'm going to be dealing with that another time. Today, I want to go into the next one, which is about the land. God starts to talk to Abram. See, Abram says about the child and then, and then that, yeah, okay, I believe in you, Lord. I believe in that. That's fine. And then God says, but I want to talk to you about a piece of land now. It may not be on your mind, but it's on my mind, says God. So I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it, you and your descendants. God goes straight for what God wants to talk about. And Abram has got questions. I don't know if you are like me and like the rest of us. Sometimes God says something and you go, wow, how? What? How do I know? How do I know? How's that going to happen? Now, I'm going to make a statement here, which is really important we understand this. Your faith stops where your questions begin. Your faith stops where your questions begin. Because faith has to do with knowing, has to do with conviction so if you have a question, you're not yet in the place of knowing. Not a problem. It's just where we're at. Great examples in the New Testament. There's um, Zechariah. God says to Elizabeth about the child. And Zechariah says, huh, you must be joking. How's that ever going to happen? Now that wasn't just a question. That was a declaration of unbelief. How's that ever going to happen? Same angel comes to Mary and she says, how's that going to happen? Can you hear the difference? How's that ever going to happen from Zechariah? So God had to silence his mouth because if he kept saying that, there would have been no John the Baptist. Shut your mouth, Zechariah. You ever wonder why some things don't come to pass? It's because you say, keep saying, oh, how's that ever going to happen? Don't believe it. And that's what Zechariah did. Go away, put your hand on your mouth. The Bible tells us to put our hand on our mouth, but, he, but God did it for Zechariah. <laughs> for nine months. Only opened his mouth when he named him John. And God said, you can talk now because you can't screw it up. <laughs> He's here, named. So, but then the same question was asked by Mary. How's that going to happen? And it wasn't from a place of doubt and unbelief. It was from a place of, can't wait to see this. How are you going to do it? See, even the same question can be asked in two ways. How's that ever going to happen? How's that going to happen? See, faith stops where your questions start. Faith is solid and has to do with hearing and knowing. So to come to the place of con con 
conviction on the inside of unshakable faith where we walk into everything God has for us, we need some questions answered. We need some questions answered. We can't just say, oh, it's, it's just okay. No, it's not okay. We need to have the questions answered because then faith can be strong. What do I do? How's it going to happen? How do I know? You promised this. How do I know it's ever going to happen? You see, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. See, doubt is, I know this is true, but I'm being overwhelmed in my physical senses or a bad report or a storm which is causing me to struggle with what I know God has said. Ever been there? Yeah, it's called being a human being in flesh. <laughs> that's what that's called. You know that you know, but then you go, and you know what? I'm believing God that when we get the doctor's report, da 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 da, because I know by the stripes of Jesus I was healed, and then the report sometimes doesn't come back the way you want it. Well, then you go, well, okay, I know that I'm healed, but now I've got someone else to deal with. Hello? That's not unbelief, that's doubt will want to come in and undermine. You see, doubt is the war in the flesh from where you know you've got it on the inside, but you don't feel like it. The wind and the waves, so you start to sink. He walked on water because of his faith, absolutely brilliant, but then his senses got involved. This is why Hebrews 5 from verses 12, 13, 14 onwards and through into chapter 6 as well talks about our physical body being presented to God as an instrument of righteousness and how we train our physical senses, which is why sometimes just close your eyes. Just don't look at it. <laughs> See, you get up in the morning and there's a sore throat there. First thing some of you do is go to the... Ah, ah, get your phone with your torch. Last thing you should be doing. Unless the Word of God is stronger on the inside of you than what you see. Because then you can see it and talk to it. <laughs> You're healed. Rather than, oh, I'm sick. See, the Word on the inside has got to be stronger than the feelings on the outside. The wind and the waves, the reports, the environment, what's on the news, what they're telling you all the time. The Word of God on the inside, it gives you conviction. But unbelief is a whole different kettle of fish. It's a whole different thing. You see, doubt is, I believe, but I'm feeling stuff here that I'm fighting through and I'm taking captive my thoughts and I'm, and I'm taking authority over my flesh. But unbelief is something where, you know what, God has promised that, but, but the bank says this, the doctor said that, the news said this. Um, I'm going to believe them, not that. That's unbelief. And the Bible says that is sin. That is sin because you are choosing to not believe God and believe something else. That's not doubt, that's sin. Doubt is, I believe but I'm struggling here. And I'm taking captive thoughts and I'm fighting and I'm saying, devil, you're under my feet and thoughts and high thoughts and I'm pulling them down and I won't read the bad report until I'm in a place to read it by faith. 
Yeah, so you build yourself. That's, that's, that's how you deal with doubt. But unbelief is a decision. It's a choice. And therefore, it is a sin. And it's something to repent of and get out of your life. And the answer to unbelief is actually give your life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again. But there's no sin or shame in asking God from the place of wanting clarification or wanting to be stronger. No sin. Or, God, how do I know? You promised this. This looks like a disaster. What, where, how? This is not unbelief. It's not doubt. It's I want to come to the place of conviction. And Abram said to God, how do I know I'm going to get the land? God didn't turn up and go, how dare you question me? And you know what? God didn't answer the question. In fact, God didn't say anything. How do I know? God didn't say anything. Except this, go and get me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old turtle, uh, all the animals, ram and whatever else. Hang on a minute, God. I'll go to the zoo later. I'm asking you a question. How do I know that I'm going to get the land? How do I know? Go and get me animals. What's that got to do with that? You see, in our mind, that doesn't have to do with anything. In Abram's mind, he knew exactly what God was saying. God didn't even tell him what to do with them. God didn't say a word. He said, go and get animals. Abram said, how do I know? How am I going to get from the place um, of, of, of questioning to the place of unquestionable faith where I'm unshakable and this is going to happen and I'm going to march in and there's going to be no unwavering, you know, the wavering and all the rest. Of it. How do I know? God says, go get animals. Wow, says Abram, we're going to shed blood. We're going to shed blood about this. See, this was normal practice in his day. If you wanted to settle something, you went and got animals. God didn't even tell him what to do with them. Abram got them and he cut them in two. God didn't say, cut them in two. Abram said, well, if I'm getting this lot, I know what God's about to do. We are going to enter into a covenant. So he laid them out. He cut them in half and he laid them out. One animal, two animals, three animals. He split them apart with a gap in the middle. All the entrails. Can you imagine the eyeballs and the brains and the, and the entrails and the, and the juices and the livers and the kidneys and the hearts and the, and the steam and the grass and the smell and the offal and the excrement and the, and the bowels and the, and the livers and the lungs and the... Uh. Oh. First point today, how can I know for sure, number one, blood was shed. Blood was shed. Abram knew exactly what God was doing. Abram asked the question and God's answer was bloodshed. This would have marked Abram forever. Blood was shed. Why? Because blood settles things once and for all. Now, it may not be in our culture, but in the Bible day, this was an end to all question, an end to all argument. Abram asked God, and God initiated bloodshed. Forever, Abram would remember that on that day, blood was shed. 
And what happened is when you separated the animals, this happened if you were entering into an agreement. Don't just think this was a God-Abram thing. This is what they did. They would separate the animals and then the two parties would walk up and down ankle deep in the entrails and the blood. They would walk up and down and they would promise to each other what they would do and they would also agree what would happen if either one of them broke the covenant. They would walk up and down and the stench would be in your nose. Have you ever been around something and you can't get that smell out? You can't get it out. It's like, it's just there. It's just horrible. We had a chicken go off years ago. I'll never forget it. And we didn't realize I'd put it in a bag and left it somewhere. And, oh, I couldn't, that smell, I could not get that smell out of my nostrils. It was foul. It was just foul. (laughs) Boom, boom. <laughs> I'll have to use that in the second one. It's horrendous smell and here they are and Abram is in the blood. Abram's in the blood. And the Bible says that God, the, the fire of God came down and walked in the blood. God was walking in the blood. See, we read that, oh, a smoking oven and a burning flax came and passed between the pieces. The glory of God was there. The fire of God was passing between the pieces. There, You can find prophetic words over in Jeremiah about how people didn't do what they promised when they passed between the pieces. This was a powerful day. I'm in the blood. I'm ankle deep up into the blood of these animals. And we're agreeing about this land. All I had, God, was a question. And you said, okay, I'm not going to try and answer it. I'm not just going to give you, I'm God and I tell the truth. I'm going to do something which means when you wake up in the morning, you won't doubt. When you go to bed at night, you won't doubt. When the enemy come against you, you won't doubt. Why? Because you will always remember standing in the blood with Almighty God. You'll always remember standing there and God saying, you will have this land. Unshakable, unquenchable, blood has been shed. 4,000 years ago, God and Abram walked in the blood for one piece of land in the Middle East. 2,000 years ago, another body was separated. Hallelujah. The body of the all man, all God, Jesus Christ. And once again, God and man walked in the blood, not of an animal, but of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. And once and for all, it was settled in heaven and settled on earth. Redemption, healing, deliverance, salvation, prosperity, peace, joy, love, patience, all the glory of God, temple of the Holy Ghost, redemption, salvation, sanctification, holiness, God and man walked in the blood once more. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. How do I know I'm forgiven? Blood has been shed and blood has been walked in. It's no longer just Abram and God. It's Jesus on the cross, dividing his body. He said, I break my body 
God walks in the blood once more. Thank God we don't have to shed blood. God, how do I know I'm healed? Well, he doesn't come to us and say, I want you to go and get your pets. Go get Foo-Foo, your poodle. Or Fluffy the rabbit. Or Casper, my snake, corn snake. What's that dark frog called? Darty. No, Darty is the, the gecko. We've got a crested gecko. Chris has. Don't go and get your pets and cut them in half. You know what he says? Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the blood. See, when we say, oh, there's power in the blood. Yeah, but are you standing in it? Do you know? Do you know that you know? Can you still smell it in your nostrils? Is it as real in your life as standing ankle deep that day 4,000 years ago when Abram stood and it marked his life forever? So I don't know about you, but I probably would have thrown up. I would never forget that. Reaching. Stirred up. Standing in blood and thinking, God, this is, this is horrendous, but this is blood covenant. No question. No doubt can get anywhere near that. No unbelief can trample the same. You know the Word of God says when you do certain things, you're trampling the blood of Jesus underfoot. Oh, this is all covenant language. Point number two. I've got to move on because I've got to close. Point number two. We walk with a boldness and a confidence to the throne of grace. Now, listen to that language. We walk, we come, we walk with a boldness. This is the place of empowerment, is the throne of grace. This is where it all happens, guys. This is where it all happens, is the throne of grace. It's where we live. It's the holy of holies. It's the most holy place. It's where we've made our home now, is the throne of grace. We come with a boldness to the throne of grace. It's not called the throne of begging. Or the, or the throne of uncertainty. Or the throne of, I just don't believe. Or the throne of, oh God, I'm just a worm. Or the throne of, I don't know what to do. It's called the throne of grace. And you know why the Bible says Come to the throne. I've just said some things which aren't, which aren't actually quite right. And that is we still need to come to the throne of grace. We don't just stand there all the time. We still need to come. Why? Because there's something very, very special about how we come to the throne of grace. And you know what the Bible says? We come to the throne of grace by a new and living way. Do you know what that animal, that was like a road. Sometimes it was one animal, sometimes ten, depending on what was going on. Sometimes more. That was called the way of blood. That was called the way of blood. Have you walked in the way? Yep, I've walked in the way. The way of blood. We come to the throne of grace by a new and living way. We walk in and through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And when we come to the throne, I'm not just coming on any road. I'm ankle deep in the blood of Jesus. Walking to the throne in the blood. Now, I'm not physically doing it, but this is what is so important. And today, you know, I've said today is, is almost the heartbeat of the series. Why? Because this says this is all about today. Something has happened which we don't experience, but it's got as, it, it has to be as though we've done it ourselves. It's the power of revelation. The Holy Spirit wants to make it as real to us that we are standing in the blood as it was for Abram that day. Forever, Abram would remember the blood. And he actually did it. We've not shed any blood. We've not made any incisions. I can't smell anything. But you know what I have? The person of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to bring such a revelation, such a strength. He's like, oh, there's power in the blood. And then something happens and they fall apart. Well, we may believe there's power in the blood, but we ain't standing in anything. Are you getting anything out of this today? You see, the power in the blood is not simply that it has happened. It's that we know. We know that we know that we know. We know that we know. Revealed understanding, revealed insights and knowledge is stronger than anything else. Stronger than your feelings. Stronger than external influence. When God reveals something, you can't get it out of you with a baseball bat. I mean, it's like it's in there. Nobody can argue it out of you. They can't threaten it out of you. A doctor's report can't blow it out of you. The economy of the world can't shake it out of you because you know that you know God has said, how do I know? The Holy Spirit reveals the blood of Jesus has been shed for this. The blood of Jesus has been shed for this. Is this okay today? The conviction of the power, the ability, the cleansing action of the blood is a revelation that changes everything. And I want to encourage us today to ask God for a fresh understanding of the power of the blood and the fact that I'm ankle deep in it. I'm walking by a new and living way. And as I walk in the blood, I may be in some doubt. I may have some unbelief trying to come at me, which I know in Jesus' name. But perhaps I'm not feeling this or I'm not feeling that or somebody said this or something we expected didn't happen. So I've got to start walking. Hello? I've got to start walking in some blood. I've got to start getting that stench in my nostrils. I've got to start getting that feeling as though Abram did. And I'm not talking about a physical feeling. I'm talking about a revelation on the inside. God, Jesus Christ, you shed your blood. Monday nights, I spend the first 10 minutes talking about the power of the blood. When I'm praising God, your blood has done it. Your blood still speaks. Your blood redeems. Your blood heals. Your blood delivers. Your blood forgives. And I'm walking in the blood today. If you get anywhere near me, you'll hear me saying, 
saying that I'm walking in your blood right now by a new and living way. No longer the blood of bulls and goats and heifers, but once and for all, the blood of Jesus has been shed and I am redeemed and I'm walking in this and it's marking my soul and it's marking my body and it's marking my understanding and it's marking my memory and I'm going to remember what the blood has done. I'm going to remember what the blood says because by His stripes I was healed. In the name of Jesus, this blood is speaking to me. It's giving me revelation. The blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more powerful than the power of the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. By revelation of the Holy Spirit, I have a covenant with Almighty God and I'm standing in the blood of the Lamb. As we close, point number three. How can I know for sure blood has been shed? How can I know for sure the Spirit reveals I'm standing in the blood? How can I know for sure? Number three, you've got to drive away the birds. Satan hates this stuff. The moment blood starts to be shed, the devil comes to take away that which has happened. The moment, the parable of the sower, birds of the air come, take away the word. Here the vultures come to take away the sacrifice. Take away the blood, the entrails. They start to eat it. If he can take away the revealed power of the blood out of our lives, we have nothing to stand on. We won't forgive people because we won't know we're forgiven. We won't stand for healing because by his stripes we were healed. Yeah, but it didn't work for me, did it? Perhaps the birds have started to take away some of the things. But I love, I love the expression that the Word of God says for Abram. But Abram drove them away. He drove them away. Have you ever had had to drive away birds? A flock of pigeons. You know, you have fun as kids, don't you? You run after them. I must still be a kid because I still like to do things like that. Watch them all fly away. But these weren't just a few pigeons. These were vultures. These things were coming and they were deadly. If Satan can get the word, we may still believe in the blood, but we don't have a conviction of the blood. What did he do? He started to drive them away. What I want to say today is keep hold of the word of God that God has given you. Guard your heart. Take captive your thoughts. Use the sword or the hammer. I was going to bring a sword and a hammer today. And I didn't. We got a fantastic samurai sword and we got a, I got a baseball bat. Various other things. Sledgehammers. <laughs> I have. The baseball bat's in my bedroom. Just in case. The sledgehammer's in the garage. Lots of other stuff. But the point is, the, word, the Bible says this, the Word of God is a hammer. And the Word of God is a sword. That's not for show, to mount on the wall, put on the mantelpiece. It's for the birds. It's for the enemy. 
It's for the doubts and the unbelief. If I could have, where's Joyce? Come on up, Joyce. It's for dealing with the enemy. I love the fact that he drove. He drove them away. I want to encourage you to stir up some holy wrath on the inside of you. That okay? Stir up some holy wrath. Sometimes I have some unholy wrath that I need to repent of, but I know the difference. You may not be able to see the difference because it's both wrath. Have you ever had un- unholy wrath? You felt awful afterwards? Have you ever had holy wrath? You felt empowered? Can I just say, one way to know which one's which is we never fight flesh and blood. So if it's, angled, if it's aimed towards a person, you're in the wrong. That's why it says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't give a place to the enemy. Anger is not the problem. Where it's going and where it comes from is the problem. You with me? See, there's a time. See, somebody go, devil, back off. He ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Birds, <laughs> they ain't going anywhere. Whoosh. Whoosh. See, some of us are like, oh God, I want my healing. If it be thy will. Now, come on, deal with the question of the will. God, is it your will? Okay, I've come to the place now where I know it's God's will because there's healing in this blood. No more question. Oh, it might be God's will to give me this cancer. Can I just settle it once and for all? It is not. Not ever, not ever, not ever does God inflict the curse on the sons and the daughters of Almighty God. Is it His will, the debt? No. Is it His will, the disease? No. Is it His will, the, the, the family breakup? No. Settle it once and for all. So get it settled and say, thank you God, I believe I received my healing. And when you start doing that, the birds of the air are going to come. That's not the time to go, whoosh, go away, go away, shoo, shoo. That's the time to let the holy wrath of God stir up on the inside and let something come over you and say, devils, back off my life. I refuse to have you. Get out of here. Sickness, get out of here. Unbelief, get out of here. Disease, get out of here. It's time to let something stir up on the inside. We don't get angry with God. We don't get angry with people. But we certainly get angry with the birds. Let's all stand to our feet today. I hope you got something out of that. How do I know? How do I know? Because of the revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's all raise our hands to God, shall we? Holy Spirit, we want to step into a new day of conviction on this issue of the blood. Where your will 
is never questioned again from a place of doubt and unbelief, but only from a place of how you're going to do this, God. Lord, we repent of unbelief. Choices we've made in direct contradiction with your word. Thank you right now, you just wash all that away. Father, where there's doubt in our lives because of the wind and the waves and the storms, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will bring such a strength of conviction of the promised word of God that doubts can be overcome from a place of, for I know whom I've believed. And I know that he is not just able, but he is willing and active to do that which he has spoken. Holy Spirit, do a work in us in the coming weeks and months of unshakable faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise today, shall we? If you've, been, if you've been here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord, we're all going to pray a prayer right now. Why don't you ask Him into your life? Let's say this. Heavenly Father, thank You that You love me. You've demonstrated Your love by sending Your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to shed His blood, to give me life. I receive You, Jesus, as my Lord, my Saviour, and my covenant friend, by the help of your grace and your power, I'll never be the same again. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you prayed that prayer today for the first time or you just come back to God. We would love to have a conversation with you today. We're all going to go through to the lounge now, teas and coffees. We've got another service starting in about 15 minutes. Uh, God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing week. See you tomorrow night for our prayer meeting. Have an amazing day. See you later. Thank you.